Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's drjoebrickner.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. back, everybody. My guest today is Tony Garofalo, who was a trainer manager when I was at St. Benedict's, and uh, his career took off after he left St. Benedict's, and he eventually became a trainer for the Chicago Cubs for quite many years. He had a great, successful career, still practicing some, even though he's an old man. Tony, before the break, we were talking about Bob Bowman and, and what a great mentor he was for you. You might step us through what happened after you graduated from college and how you got involved with Bob Bowman and then how all this eventually led up to your position with the Cubs. Well, when I, uh, when I was a senior, I had a degree in education, but I, you know, I didn't know if I really wanted to be a teacher. I really loved the athletic training. So I decided I was going to write letters to all these different organizations to see if they would hire me as an athletic trainer. So I wrote letters to the Kansas City Royals, the St. Louis Football Cardinals, the Baseball Cardinals, anybody I could think about having me on hire as an athletic trainer. And ironically, the only one that answered me were the Cardinals, and it was Bob Bowman. They hired me to work rookie ball in Sarasota, Florida. So I graduated May 15th. And by June 15th, I was headed down to Sarasota, Florida to work in professional baseball, which was like, wow, you know, I had no idea what I was getting myself into yeah. and drove down to uh, Sarasota, Florida, didn't know where I was going to stay, didn't know anything about it. I had to report to, to St. Petersburg because I had to be there for like two or three weeks and then go down to Sarasota. In fact, when I take that back, it was probably June 1st I had to head down there. So I was only home a couple of weeks, which my wife or fiancé at the time was not too happy about. You know, <laughs> I graduated, and then two weeks later I was headed down to Florida, and I ended up in St. Petersburg. Uh, two guys befriended me, a guy by the name of Mark Hill and a guy by the name of Keith Hernandez. Oh, wow. They said uh, I was working with the St. Petersburg Cardinals at the time to, to the extent the training started, and they invited me to stay with them. They had like this little efficiency apartment, and I stayed with them for two weeks. In fact, they wanted me to stay in St. Pete. They talked to the manager there and said, we really want him there because they had no athletic trainer there oh. in St. Pete. So they said, well, he'd do what he could. Well, I found out that they had hired somebody to come down middle of June to work for the summer in St. Pete. So I was shipped down to Sarasota, Florida. But what was good about that in the off season, like I said earlier, Bob Bowman worked at St. Louis University. So he got me a job to work with him at St. Louis University from, cause baseball, baseball contract only went from June until 
September. So I, from June 1st to August 31st, I was gainfully employed, and then I had nothing to do. Oh. So Bob Bowman hired me to work at St. Louis University, talked to the athletic director, and hired me so I could work from September until March before I went to spring training. So those five or six months I spent with him until he left for spring training at the time to go to Florida. So I was able to work with him in the off season. So it was really exciting. You know, I could do my baseball stuff, made a lot of friends, not to be a name dropper, but some of the people I worked with in the minor leagues, a lot of them became, you know, major league baseball players. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the most interesting one turned out to be a professional wrestler, a guy by the name of Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> Randy he was Savage. <laughs> He was, his name was Randy Popo, and he was uh, in Sarasota, Florida, and him and I lived together down in Sarasota. It was really kind of interesting. That was, And I worked for the Cardinals. I spent two years in Sarasota. My managers down there were Ken Boyer yeah. and Lee Thomas, a guy by the name of Roy Matika and Bobby, du or Bobby Dews, and a guy by the name of Julio Gotai. He was a player for the Cardinals for a few years. They were the managers I had in Sarasota. Mm -hmm. And then there was a kind of a shakeup in the Cardinal minor league system, and the double-A trainer was moved to Tulsa, and after two years in rookie ball, they moved me to double-A in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's quite a jump. So I spent a couple years in Little Rock. In fact, I spent three years in Little Rock. It was ironic when I finally got to the big leagues, a lot of the guys that I was with in the minor leagues, they came up to the Cardinals when I went to the Cubs. So we were kind of like all together. We all kind of went to the big leagues at the same time. Yeah. It was uh, it was a really learning experience in the minor leagues. And, you know, I talked about earlier about how you have to work, you know, to do some of the best. Well, if you can imagine, we were in Sarasota, Florida in June, July, and August. I had two teams, two Cardinal teams, two rookie league teams. One played in the morning, one played in the evening. And it was an unair-conditioned clubhouse oh, in in Sarasota oh. with no windows in the clubhouse. It was just a big concrete building. And we had oh. these attic fans in there. And that was our source of fresh air. And my equipment <laughs> was a 75-pound bag of ice that was delivered at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and that was my equipment oh. to work with. So, again, you know, I spent... I'd be there for the morning games, have a couple hours, be back there for the evening games, you know. So it was just like working baseball 12, 14 hours a day and having nothing but my hands in this melting ice to work with. <laughs> and you had to make a golden. And I was the only athletic trainer. We had Cardinals had two teams, and there was two other teams there as well. They had no athletic training, so they were always asking me, can you help with this guy, can you help with that guy? So basically, I was there all the time. Wow. So I didn't spend much time in our condo. We had a beautiful condo, which was, now you die for it, right on the Gulf Coast of Mexico at a place called the Sarasota Surf and Racket Club. We were like 200 yards from the Gulf of Mexico, oh. but I couldn't enjoy it because I was working all the time. <laughs> but you really learn what you can what you can do and what you could put up with. You know, there were times I was thinking, you know, what am I doing? You know, this is crazy. Yeah. But I guess people noticed because after um, I got promoted, like I said, to double A, 
and our farm director was a guy by the name of Bob Kennedy. Okay. And he was a former major league player, coach, general manager, scout, and he was our farm director. So in 1976, I was riding to work at St. Louis University. I was living, Jan and I were living in St. Louis at the time. And I heard on the radio that Bob was named general manager of the Chicago Cubs. So I figured, what the heck is going to, you know, it's a phone call. So I called him and I said, uh, hey, Bob, congratulations. I heard on the radio that you were named. Well, let me back up the truck a minute. The year before, in 19, the summer of 76, he was hired by the Seattle Mariners to be their advanced scout. Seattle Mariners were going to come in to play in 1977. Okay. So mm-hmm. Bob came to Little Rock. You know, like I said, I've known Bob. We were in the minor leagues together. He was our farm director. We went to many meetings together. And he stopped in. And I said, you know, Bob, I love my job at the Cardinals. But I'm in a no-win situation here. Because at the time, Gene Gieselman had been with the Cardinals for about six or seven years. He was ingrained there. He was a young guy. He was only like three years older than I was. And I said, if anything pops up at Seattle, keep me in mind. He said, well, our first year, we're only going to have the Major League Club, AAA, and Rookie Ball. He said, would you be interested in joining us if I could swing it? And I said, well, yeah. You know. So... That was the end of the conversation. So when I heard on the radio that he was named general manager of the Cubs, I figured, what the heck, let me call him and just say hi to him. So I called him and I said, hey, Bob, congratulations on being named general manager of the Cubs. And just keep me in mind if anything pops up. And he said, well, you know what? I was just thinking about you today. How would you like to come to work for me? And I said, well, yeah. you know." And I was thinking he was saying double A, triple A. And I said, yeah, where do you want me to go? He said, I'd like you to come to Chicago. And I said, and I have about 10 seconds to think about that. (laughs) And I said, well, what happened to your athletic trainer that was there? And he said, well, he's from the Seattle area. He applied and got the job as a head athletic trainer for the Seattle Mariners. And we need somebody at the big league level. And you're the first person that came to mind. And he said, but, you know, I have to call the Cardinals because you're under contract with them. I have to get their permission to make it official. He said, I don't foresee it being a problem. He said, would you want it? And I said, you better believe it. <laughs> so we uh, we had just closed on a house in St. Louis. I got the job like 10 days later. Oh, wow. So he invited me up to Chicago. They had at the win- at the winter things they have up there. They had a press conference where they introduced me to the press and all that kind of stuff. And I we moved into our house February 1st of 1977, and I left for spring training February 10th. My wife was not too happy with me about that. But, you know, it's just the friendships I made with Bob. It opened the doors for me to, to the major leagues, you know. And I was, at the time, I was the youngest athletic trainer in the major leagues. I was 27 years old. That is absolutely. I guess because of my work ethic, with some of the stuff I had to put up with in the minor leagues, Bob thought I was a good fit, and I was lucky enough for him to hire me. It's amazing what networking can do, and people don't really appreciate that. Many, many times, people say, "Yeah, I'm looking for a job," and say, "Well, have you tapped into your network? Who's my network? About anybody you know, have worked with before, whatever." Just talk to them. See if they can, if they know somebody who knows somebody. You well, just never know. 
we were talking about Bob Bowman. Well, in 1976, I heard that the job at the Montreal Expos had opened. So, Bowman, you know, I told Bowman, I said, uh, you know, I, I really like to apply for this. And we talked a little bit about it. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to recommend it because I don't think you're ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, fine. So then I told him about the next year, I told him about the Cub job. And we talked and he said, you know what? You're ready. He said, I'll make a call for you. And you get a call from a Bob Bowman and just, you know, well, Bob Kennedy knew me already, but when he got the call from, I don't know if he got the call before Bob Kennedy talked to me, you know, I don't know if he made the call before then or not, but I think he had a lot to do with me being with the Cubs because the phone call from him was like the seal of approval that you're ready. And I, again, once again, I owe it to him. And he always made it a point when we came, when the Cubs came to St. Louis, that we'd always say hi to each other and I always go see him or he'd come see me. And, you know, it was kind of like his source of pride as well, seeing another one of his students made it to the big leagues, you know? And it was because, because of Bob Kennedy and Bob Bowman that I was lucky enough to get to the big leagues. What's really interesting is the, the huge rivalry between the Cubs and the Cardinals. You know, it's one of the biggest rivalries in pro sports. And here you are growing up in St. Louis, having worked in the Cardinals organization. And all at once, you're now working for their biggest rival. And you're, you're actually going to St. Louis and, and uh, seeing guys that you've worked with in, in minor leagues who are now major league baseball players. What was that like? Uh, it was, it, you know what? It was, it was like a homecoming. And what was great about it is like my first game in, at Bush Stadium. I had worked at Bush Stadium. My grandfather was an Andy Frayne usher at there. And, you know, he was, it was kind of like a source of pride to him saying, that's my grandson, you know, and, <laughs> and my parents. But when I got to the ballpark, a lot of the players, like, I would say 95% of the Cardinal roster I had in the minor leagues. So when I got there to the big leagues, it was just like hugs and congratulations from all these former players that we worked together and spent time together. And, you know, when you work with a major league team, they become your family for 10 months or nine months because you're with them every single day, either on an airplane, at the ballpark, in a city, you know, another city. So you're, you're like, you're become family. So these guys are like family and guys like, you know, I mentioned Keith Hernandez, you know, he was there. You know, I work with guys in the Cardinal organization, like I'm bringing up some old names here. But That's okay. Hernandez, Tommy Herb, Ken Oberfeld, Jerry Templeton, Al Roboski, Bob Forge, uh, Larry Herndon, Jerry Mumphrey, uh, Eric Rasmussen, Randy Wiles, um, all these guys I had in the minor leagues, we came up together. Yeah. So it was just like old home week for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it was always something that Mike Shannon and Jack Buck would always make an effort to interview me anytime the Cubs came to town because they knew my, my St. Louis Cardinal connection. They knew my St. Louis connection. So they always made it a point to come in and say hi and interview me or like, pre-game show and that kind of stuff you know it was it was it was just great it was and i didn't look at it as a rival i mean once the game started yeah they were rivals but five minutes before the first pitch and two minutes after the last pitch we were buddies again 
and that's the way it was. Yeah. What a, what a great experience that is. I want to ask you, how has AT athletic training, how has that changed over time? Because you're saying when you were in the minor leagues, your only equipment was a 75-pound bag of ice delivered at 7 in the morning. Yeah. How, is that, how has it changed now? Because you're still, I mean, you're a pro at it today. It changed by leaps and bounds. I know in the athletic training profession in general, when I first started, it was a good old boys network. You know, you found maybe maybe a handful of women athletic trainers. Now there's probably it's probably split fifty fifty. That's that's good in regards to technology and the way the way they handle things, how they handle injuries and stuff like that. It's so much more far advanced, you know. And and the medicine has changed too. I mean, when I was there, we never had MRIs. It was just X-rays and the feel of what you had. You know, that's that's the way it was. Now you have MRIs and CT scans and all that kind of stuff. That's that's helped diagnosing injuries so much better. Plus the equipment that you have in the athletic training room, you know. Now you have ultrasound machines. You have all this weight equipment. When I first came to Major League Baseball, there was no weight rooms in Major League Baseball. That was the old school method. If you worked with weights, you got too bulky and you couldn't play baseball. Well, that's changed now. Everybody has, when I was there for, for my first eight years, or I think about for my first seven years, I was by myself and I was the massage therapist, the conditioning coach, uh, the athletic trainer. I did everything. Now, uh, talking to the athletic trainers now, they have a staff of like nine or 10 athletic, you know, you have three or four athletic trainers. You have two physical therapists. You have massage therapists. You have two conditioning coaches. You had a mental skills coach. You have all these different people now that are working together. So it's making it easier for the players to get help. Before, you know, I would have a line waiting to get in, help, you know, for me to do things, and I'd have to prioritize who I would take care of. You know, if you were injured, you would have to wait till I got everybody onto the field, and then I would take care of the injured player. And now you can take care of them now. And the athletic training rooms have changed dramatically. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were in spring training. My wife and I were on vacation. I went into the new Cubs athletic training facility in spring training. And their hydrotherapy room is as big as our clubhouse and athletic training room combined was. Wow. It was, it was unbelievable. And, you know, I just couldn't believe it. My first athletic training room in Chicago, I thought, I'm in the big leagues. I got it made. Well, I walked in there, and our athletic training room was down the left field corner. I don't know if you ever saw old pictures of Wrigley Field. We had to walk down the left field line to go into the clubhouse. It wasn't behind the dugout. And my first athletic training room, we had to walk up three steps from the clubhouse, and it was two tables with this ultrasound machine jammed in between the two tables my desk was a piece of three by three quarter inch plywood on L hooks on the wall. <laughs> I had this old whirlpool in the corner, and that was my athletic training room. And I'm in the big leagues, and this is what I got, you know. So, and it gradually got better as the years progressed. I was only in there for probably maybe a year, and then Bob was the general manager, so I told him, "Hey, hey Bob, you know, I can't." You can't function in this. And so he moved the coaches out of the coaches' locker room, made that an athletic training room. And then I moved, but he had to go up like 
10 stairs to get to this other athletic training room. So if somebody got hurt on the field, I would have to run, you know, I'd have to run on the field, then we'd walk down the left field line, hobble up to the athletic training room, but then if I'd had the game on radio, so I'd listen. So if somebody got hurt, I'd have to sprint out of the clubhouse down the left field line to get to the field again. So it was it was crazy until 1984. Then they moved the clubhouse behind the dugout. But, you know, it's just that's how much athletic training is. I mean, today they wouldn't put up with that. But it's 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 come for the better. It's it's so much better now. And in fact, I tell a lot of athletic trainers, I probably couldn't handle what they have now because I'm not used to that kind of stuff. You know? Was there any major league team that had a, a reputation as being a, a step above, you know, having better facilities and all that type of thing, like maybe the Yankees or whatever? Well, it's the people that had the newer clubhouses, you know, new facilities, mm-hmm. Cardinals, the Phillies. I mean, it's ironic. Bush Stadium, Veterans Stadium, Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, Riverfront Stadium, Three River Stadium. If you didn't know the uniforms, you'd all think you were in the same place because all the stadiums were exactly the same. Really? And they all had the exact same facilities. That's when they had the multi-purpose stadiums. All those were multi-purpose yeah. stadiums. Yeah. So those teams always had better facilities. And people like the Red Sox and the Cubs and the Yankees that held the old stadiums. And Dodger Stadium was another one, you know. They were old stadiums and they had very small facilities. So as they start building new stadiums and the facilities kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, I think Houston Astros was the first one that really built this ultra-modern clubhouse, which is obsolete by today's standards, where they had you know, a lunch room and they had a, a weight room and they had a huge clubhouse facility with a player's dress with a player's lounge and they had a huge athletic training room. But now that's the norm. Yeah. You know, the Cubs of Wrigley Field just built five or six years ago when they won the World Series. They built their clubhouse. Their, their clubhouse is like 7,000 square feet. It's unbelievable. Where'd they find room for that? Well, what they did was I don't know if you've seen pictures of Wrigley Field now where they have that place where they have that park where people play and then they have the building where they have the big screen TV where people could sit outside and watch it. Mm-hmm. Underneath that, they built a clubhouse. Oh. So what you had to do, you had to go through the dugout and then the old clubhouse was there, which is now a batting cage. And then you had to go up steps and then underneath the concourse to get to the new clubhouse. But it's, I have, I have, I've been invited down there a couple of times. I've never seen it yet. I'm like, one of these days I'm going to get down there. But it's supposed to be phenomenal. I've seen pictures of it. I mean, the athletic training room is like 3,000 square feet athletic training room, which is unheard of. <laughs> the palace. <laughs> it is. It's, it's really a palace considering where it's at. You know, it's a palace. Well, Tony, we're going to take another short break. When we come back, I want to talk about the uh, Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society and uh, have you tell us a little bit about that. And then I'd like to get into kind of some interesting things on who are some of your favorite players and, and coaches that you've worked with and maybe even some that you didn't you struggled working with, etc. Yeah. So okay. let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Okay. 